Asymmetrical Haircuts, Justice Update, with Janet Anderson and Stephanie van den Berg. All rise. So welcome to Asymmetrical Haircuts. This episode is supported by justiceinfo.net, an independent website covering justice and reconciliation efforts. Oh my God, Stephanie, what a week. I've been kind of looking at Twitter and just kind of hiding under my blanket and looking at cat pictures and thinking I'm not jumping into this. But it's been extraordinary because like everybody and their mother seems to know something about international law. There's just so much being spouted. And the details, like when is it actually an armed conflict? What is exactly allowed? Who is an associated force or not? How can, when can you use force? How much force can you use? So who have you been reading? Who did you really like? I, for instance, um, I was obviously looking for women commentators. And one of my favourites was a woman called Una Hathaway, who's been writing about um, international humanitarian law uh, uh, for many years. She's a professor at Yale and she's really strong on this. Also, Agnes Calamar, the UN special rapporteur on, um, what is it, illegal executions. Um, the one who's been doing all the work on Kasodji. She had a lot to say. What about you? Well, I've been kind of looking at Twitter, but drawing away from the news because so much changed every second that I was like, there's no way I can keep up with it. So I was listening to podcasts and this week, Radio Lab, one of my favorite podcasts, the stars aligned and they did something about my favorite subject, war crimes. And so they did a story on a reissue of a story they did before on 60 words, which is the exact wording of the law that Congress adopted after the 9-11 terrorist attacks that allowed the use of force by an American president um, in these situations to prevent international terror attacks. And it's those words that have used to been justify everything uh, that America has done in the war on terror from Afghanistan, from Guantanamo Bay. And now uh, Iran. And now Iran and drone strikes. And it's amazing that all of that hinges on those 60 words and it has all kinds of things about lawyers going to war and how these words can be interpreted and why they are interpreted and how you can do all of that with just this one sentence. Well, we thought that for this uh, justice update, it'd be really, really difficult for us to do, um, to cover everything. So we thought we'd just take one thing and try and get that ironed out. What are the issues with targeting cultural heritage? Um, you know, the US president, Donald Trump, wrote a tweet that he was specifically going to target Iranian cultural sites as part of a campaign. And he did it again. And there was a lot of commentary in between um, to say that this was illegal. Yeah, so we got on to Polina Levina. She's an international lawyer who won a prize last year for her essay on protecting serious cultural heritage. So she's a real expert. She's a super expert and she broke down for us why this targeting of cultural heritage is a crime and uh, what happens. But first of all, we wanted to start uh, with the basic question is, does there have to be a war for the rules to start applying? And what does a war then look like? Um, the answer, the answer is yes. That if, I mean, to have to have a war crime, uh, the act does need to be committed in the in the context of uh, of an armed conflict, um, and in, and in this case, um, you know, with the with the tensions between Iran and the and the United States, um, there would be a situation of an international armed conflict, actually, um, as the as the conflict would be between between two states. Um, and, and there, you know, we, we actually have a, some very clear international law on this. Um, Common Article 2 to the, to the four Geneva Conventions of 1949 provide that the conventions apply to, to all cases of declared war 
or of any other armed conflict uh, which may arise between two or more of the uh, high contracting parties, even if the state of war is not recognized by one of them. Just to qualify all of that, um, we were asking her specifically about how all this works in principle, recognizing that um, maybe now we could actually say that there isn't a specific international armed conflict going on. But we also asked her about um, the specifics of targeting cultural heritage and whether that really is a war crime in itself. Absolutely, and I think we've seen in the um, in the in the days following that tweet, um, you know, the, a very very strong reaction from. Uh, institutions, you know, across the world and, and across the board. Uh, there was a very strong statement from the Met uh, Museum. Um, there's, there, there was also, you know, s- strong statements from, from the U.S. military and the, and the uh, Secretary of Defense saying that um, that the United States would, would comply with, uh, with uh, international law and not deliberately target cultural sites. Um, and, I, and, and even the president referred to actually to, to the international law and rules um, um, prohibiting the deliberate targeting of cultural property. So, so it is. I think it's absolutely taken taken very seriously. And and I think that this is because cultural property is is particularly robustly protected by international law. I mean, compared to many other areas of international law, this is an area that's very strongly codified um, in in treaty law and has been this. You know, there's a lot of state buy-in um, in uh, in the very strong treaty law. And and even more recently, I mean, there's a long kind of historical background, which 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 I find very interesting that we can that we could go into. But um, even more recently, there's been a number of really critical developments that um, have have really demonstrated that not only is this kind of taken seriously um, as a as a norm, but um, the the protection itself is actually very seriously enforced. So in the last few years, there have been uh, two international prosecutions actually for the for the deliberate destruction of cultural property, uh, both at the International Criminal Court, the Almadi and Al Hassan cases. Um, the Almadi case, uh, he, he was uh, he was convicted and is uh, and is finished. Um, and the Al Hassan, the trial is actually just going to be beginning uh, this summer. Um, both were charged with uh, deliberately damaging uh, cultural property sites in Timbuktu in Mali. And in the Almadi case, it was you know particularly fascinating because it was really the first time that um, in the in the reparations stage of the proceedings. Uh, the international community as such was recognized actually as as one of the victims of the destruction of cultural property, which, which is which is kind of an amazing, uh, you know, juridical recognition that when cultural property is destroyed, you know, all of all of humanity suffers. Thanks, Polina. The insights are appreciated and we definitely want to get back to you to explain more about this. And it looks like even though there's no international armed conflict now, because Trump has backed down and the Iranians seem to have backed down. But we seem to have another focus now on the civilian aircraft from Ukraine having been taken out of the sky. A few reminiscences for you? It brings back some memories and has a lot of echoes of the MH17 incident, which was a civilian plane shot down over Ukraine. Um, So we're going to hear a lot about this. And you see that Bellingcat is also on top of trying to figure out what happened here as they were with MH17. So I see a lot of uh, similarities in those two incidents. And we'll see probably a lot more uh, will emerge Uh, on that in the coming weeks and months. But this whole thing of what's happened just uh, in Iran so far, I mean, it was this huge, I really think a huge teaching moment for people. I've never seen so many people commenting on international law as, as they did. 
Absolutely. I think uh, not just our kind of niche international law Twitter exploded with it, but everybody was asking and everybody was tweeting about it. So I think it was a, a very big recognition of that actually law does have a place now in warfare and the question of whether things are legal and how international law works is actually relevant to conflicts going on today in a much more direct way than it than it used to be. So let's look forward to the rest of 2020. Onwards and upwards. Um, bye. <laughs> I don't want to say to infinity and beyond. <laughs> That's fine. This podcast was created and presented by Janet Anderson and Stephanie van den Berg. It is published in partnership with justiceinfo.net. You can find show notes and additional blogs on asymmetricalhaircuts.com. It is recorded in the Hague Humanity Hub, home to a community of innovators in the field of peace, justice, development and humanitarian action. Music is by audionautics.com and the show is available on every major podcast service, so please subscribe give us a rating and spread the word.